This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Homestay Radio. My name is Chris Amling and tonight I'm your host as I guide you through a 2-2 draw uh, away to Bournemouth. Uh, Palace taking the lead twice in the match but not enough to hang on and yet again points dropped in the final moments of a game. Uh, I'll be introducing you to my panel in just a moment and we'll be hearing their opinions but we do want to hear from you too. Go to holradio.net forward slash contact to find out all the ways to get in touch with the show tonight. We'll be back in one short moment. There are 99 reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proud and Palace. Right, hello. I hope you can hear this clearer than I could just then. Otherwise, you're going to be having a very, very choppy time (laughs) listening to us. Um, Oh, good. Alex has turned up with his volume up nice and loud and ruined everything. Hi, Alex. (laughs) Hello. Um, Anyway, I'd best best, uh, get back to what I was going to do, which was to sort of welcome you along and introduce my panel. Obviously, I better introduce him first. Alex Penge is back. Hi, Alex. Hi, Chris. Good to be back. Yeah, great, great. Technical difficulties. Yeah, no worries. Listen, mate, if I say turn up at 5 2, don't worry when you turn up at a minute past. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> I'm not at all bothered by it one, one little bit. I'm fashionably um, late. Fashionably yeah. late. Next up, we've got Albert Curley. Hello, everyone. Hi, Albert. I see you're speaking into a microphone. Yeah, mate. Proper. Yeah. Well, listen, now, now, now I'm on the radio properly every Thursday. Love for sport, 7 o'clock. I thought, I'd, to get, I thought I'd get some professional gear. For the home yeah. studio. That's good, um, because I'd heard a suggestion from you earlier on today that for quite some time now, you've been talking into a microphone that hasn't actually been functioning. Always check your settings before every show <laughs> is what I would say now. But yeah. it, it turns out that that's not been what I've, you know, I haven't been practicing what I now preach for like the last eight or nine preview shows. So I've been holding this microphone. Yeah. Um, for no reason, because it was just my default laptop microphone had been selected. So, 
I suppose at least at the very least you've got good at holding the microphone, haven't you? Live and learn. Well, as you can see, I mean, you're, you're seeing a live video feed, which I don't know how to turn off, by the way. So. Do you not? It's just a button you click with the. Oh, picture listen. Picture of the camera. I'm just happy that the microphone's working now. So I'll get. Good. Let's not delay any further. Let's introduce you to Mr. Mike Scott. Evening, ladies and gents. There we go. The happy, not at all hungover voice of Mike Scott. I'm, I'm feeling a lot better, as I say. This this tisky's helping, helping ease yeah. the pain. Well, I mean, Albert's just given everyone some wonderful advice about uh, radio equipment, and your advice on dealing with hangovers is to drink bad Polish lager. Yeah, well, it, you know when you just get the shakes a little bit, and the best thing today is just just have a sip of another one. And yeah, I, I've stopped. Exactly. I've stopped. Yeah, it's worked. It's worked a treat. <laughs> That's it. You just ride through it now until tomorrow's shakes. Yeah, when I feel terrible. (laughs) All right, then. Well, talking of feeling terrible, Palace threw away a lead yet again in the final final moments of the game. That would have been really slick if I'd not been able to mispronounce the word final there. I'd just say final for some reason. Ah, Oh, well. Anyway, so 2-2 it ended. Uh, You know, it wasn't the best of games anyway, but Palace created more than enough chances to win. And... um, you know, you kind of thought, we're, are we going to live to regret this at the end of the game? And hopefully we're not going to live to regret it at the end of the season because, you know, we're running out of opportunities um, to put those points on the board that the performances have been deserving. We'll be talking about all those things today and obviously uh, anything else that you want us to talk about too. Already got a bunch of questions in from you, which we'll cover off a little bit later on. But let's get into chatting about the game. So, Lineups, gents. Uh, Benteke injured late on, I think it was Thursday's training. He limped off with a groin injury. Um, a little bit of a lack of class from some, uh, well, some areas of the support tweeting the news on the official account with various bits of abuse. You know, there we go. That sort of thing seems to happen these days. Ruben Loftus Cheek came into the team and uh, Palace went 4 4 2. Townsend and Zaha up top. Obviously, Tompkins came in for Kelly. So you had the regular back four, but uh, the sort of four central midfielders playing across the, um, you know, across the midfield rather than having a natural natural wide midfielders, which is something that obviously we employed under Roy with a degree of success uh, when when Benteke was out earlier in in the season. We had no other options as well, so you could certainly anticipate that was the way it was going to go. And interesting to see uh, another young player get a chance to get himself on the bench. James Daly, not of five-year plan, um, but a, a young young lad. Born in Brighton, I believe, uh, which is a shame. But we won't that game. No, exactly. It's not, it's not his fault, I guess. But uh, been doing very well. He's, you know, he's been in and around the club for quite some time. Uh, I think he's been with captain of uh, Paddy's under-18s for a while. Often played as striker, um, but then moved to, I think, left wing back for quite some time as well. I've been playing in that position. But back as a striker, I've been playing there for the under-23s a little bit uh, in recent weeks and got a few goals here and there. And obviously, impressed enough to be given a chance on the, on the bench. Although, you know, nobody got a chance off the bench, which is something we'll discuss a bit later on. Like, he, he sat on the bench very well. He did. He did a very, very good job. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that lineup and the formation. Albert, I will start with you. So, obviously, us. Well, not surprised for the four four two, but looking at the fact we had you know Loftus Cheek on one one wing, if you like, and James McCarver on the other, was it something that you were happy to see? I think um, it was the uh, what I was expecting to see, bearing in mind, like, as you sort of alluded to, the last time Christian Benteke was out for any real period of time, 
it was that Zaha and Townsend makeshift top two. And, you know, you say it sort of bore some success um, last time around. So I can see why we did it. And uh, the worry is, is that, again, everyone sort of celebrating that Christian Benteke, not everyone, but like you say, certain sections celebrating Christian Benteke comes out and we go and score two goals and create a fair few clear chances. You now sort of think that's given a lot of people the sort of... um, well, this is what we should be doing anyway, sort of mentality. But um, I think it's I think it's fine when you're away from home looking to play on the um, the counter. But yeah, in a, in a home game, you know, in our last running, I, I wouldn't like to see it for the rest of the season. No, it's a really good point you make because it, it's been something that suits suits you away from home. And it's important to remember last time we played it, it, it worked really well for maybe three, four games, but it, we did run out of steam eventually. And then you had games where people were quite obviously saying, oh, we've got no presence up for I don't know why we keep doing this voice, Albert, but it does seem like the uh, sort of general palace voice, isn't it? Sounds like the bloke that sits behind me, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a lot less shouty. We've got no presence up front. I don't know what Roy thinks he's doing. It's ridiculous. Every yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> that's what he likes saying. Yeah. Even though um, it's not every week, is it? It's sort of, you know, every other week, mainly. Yeah. Home games. On average, yeah. Yeah, Alex. Again, you, well, your your view is really on the setup and the, you know in the formation we went into into the game with. Uh, well, it was as as expected, really. Um, you know, I didn't think Loftus Cheek did very well when he came on uh, against Liverpool. I thought it, he sort of slowed us down a bit. So, you know, I, w- I was fully expecting to see him on the left wing, see him Wilf and Andros up top. Um, they showed good movement, uh, but it was quite funny when we. When we do play um, without a striker, without Benteke, we end up getting more balls into the box, which is which I find really amusing, yeah. to be honest. Which you saw that sometimes from Andros um, in the first half, just looping balls in, and just there's no one there, and it's just like, why don't you do that the week before, or why don't you do it when we've got <laughs> Benteke up top? Um, but yeah, you know, it's typical Palace. Um, but yeah, uh, it's fully expected. Uh, um, Wambasaka retained his place. Um, and yeah, four four two. It's quite funny, funny actually, because both teams were playing four four two, weren't they? Um, Bournemouth playing two out and out strikers, and we were playing two sort of wingers, uh, wide forwards up top. Yeah, again, I was, I was more of an out of necessity, but um, but you know, yeah. again, I, you know, I like I like the fact we matched them. I think, well, you know, it's not it wasn't just out, out of necessity that we played the way we played. I think it it worked very very well. Um, the way both MacArthur and Loftus Cheek actually worked worked back. I think Loftus Cheek a little bit less so. Um, he's just that little bit less dynamic um, than James MacArthur, who's quite willing to get up and down the pitch all day. And obviously, their their want was to to drift central, but it actually worked extremely well. Um, I think the, the first half, which we'll get into, but the first half was fairly pedestrian in pace, but it really worked well for us later on in the game. It was just. We failed to deal with the changes that, that Bournemouth made off the bench. And again, like I say, we'll get into that. But Mike, a bit of an opportunity for you, and, I, and I'll focus more on the sort of the Benteke strikers aspect. Where do you where do you sit on that in terms of you know people's reaction to Benteke being out, they're being happy about it, and then pointing to how creative we were without him. But well, at mean, the same time, did, did we miss a, you know having a, a you know figurehead up top? Yeah. Well, first of all, with people's reaction, some of it was. It's pretty pathetic, and and you sort of start to wonder. It's got to affect the guy. I mean, in the same way you hear that 
Um, you know, Hennessy will openly say to people, when I know a lot of people don't like me, it's going to hit Benteke as well. Um, and I read some of the stuff and I thought, it's just, just absolutely pathetic. Um, I don't know what it achieves. Uh, uh, he, he utterly was missed in the game. I mean, as Alex alluded to, um, you know, Townsend got in a lot of crosses. I, I, from what I could see, probably as many as he had a, a, any game this season. Um, and, you know, the midfielders tried their best to, to, to keep up, but, you know, they're, they're not necessarily box-to-box players you think could buy someone like that. You can't expect them to be getting that far up too often. Um, if he had been there, I think it would have been the perfect game for him. So it's it's it's, it's kind of ironic that um, that setup seems to it would play into his hands best if you know but when he is on the pitch he, he can't really play that system so um yeah i i think he, he was really missed um yeah it's interesting you put that across the you know that's the system we'd want to play with him in the team but we can't there must be a must be somewhere doing it maybe townsend play up with benteke and have will more orthodox on the left instead of the other way around if you know what i mean but yeah, Albert, well, you wanted to chip back in there yeah, I mean, I might get accused of clutching at straws here, trying to defend Christian Benteke. You know, I know we're not paying him 100 and whatever grand a week to defend from set pieces, but I think that was another area where he was missed. You know, we've we've been very fragile against sort of corners over the last few weeks, but you know, there's been a, certainly a good few incidents where Christian Benteke has got his head on the on the end of an incoming cross, mainly from corners, and sort of headed the ball away. So you, you do sort of you do sort of wonder. So, I mean, certainly the last goal, which we'll come on to. Um, shortly, you know, if there was another sort of aerial presence in our box, might we have seen the game out? Well, exactly. And I think that goes to what Roy Hodgson's been talking about quite a lot of late when when having to defend Benteke. You can't, as we talked about last week, you can't defend his uh, lack of ability to put the ball away at the moment. But, you know, Roy very quick to point out that he contributes very well in other areas of the pitch, which, uh, you know, very, very, very good point, Albert. Um, but moving on, you know, again, summing up that, the opening 20 minutes was a bit of a nothing, really. They had an early chance through Callum Wilson, a sort of looped ball in, a bit of a he- bit of hesitancy in the defence, and Wilson wasn't really expecting it to get past Sacco, um, who just looked off the pace at the start of the game. Um, but but Wilson didn't take that chance. Um, Alex, what did you think of... I mean, Sacco, we talk about him a lot. We know, we know he has a certain sort of fragility about him, which is why he's no longer a Liverpool player. Um, what did you make of his performance initially? Because he did look a little shaky to me. He looked a bit sluggish, to be honest. Um, and I, I was thinking during the game, um, I wonder if uh, the injuries have taken their their toe on a toll on him because you know he's always been stop start for Sacco at, at Palace um, this season and last season. So you know, it, 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 also you've got to take into consideration that you know this is Tomkins' first game back into the side as well. Um, after after Kelly, you know, it was 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 been the side them in the previous game. So yeah, it, it was tricky really because you know they they had a lot of width. Uh, they were putting balls in. You know, Defoe fit now for Bournemouth, causing havoc and and it's just quite lucky that Wilson is, had, hadn't scored since um, I think it was the Chelsea game. He hadn't scored since. So I think yeah. if if we was a striker in form, there probably would have capitalised because you know you know he was under the cosh for the first 20, 25 minutes of the game. Yeah, absolutely right. And, you know, having said that, you look at the fact that Wilson hadn't scored for a whole host of games and you think, mm. well, you know, we're, we're that club that people love to break those ducks against, aren't we? So they kind of feared the worst. But, you know, it, was a, it wasn't too bad an opening spell, but we definitely were slow to start. And 
Mike, that's been a little bit of a feature of uh, of Palace of late. Not necessarily always slow to start the first half, but at least one half we seem not to get going completely. And often it's the half-time break that sorts us out. Is that something that you felt is an issue this season? Well, it's been a bit weird because when when the when the points were coming, you know, just after Christmas, um, you know, you, you could say you generally expected us to be, uh, you know, maybe a goal down and then and then things to change around. Um, it's this seems like you say a little bit more fragility in the side, and and I, I, I don't know if you take Sacco again, for example, um, when he when he first. When he first joined the club, signed up at the start of the season, I went and watched him in the under-23s. I think it was against Ipswich, if I recall. Um, and he, he looked, even though he obviously hadn't played in ages, he, he just had a confidence about him. Um, you know, he was, he was playing the ball on the floor nicely, that kind of thing. And it didn't seem like he, particularly him, but a couple of other players were, were, were quite on the ball straight away yesterday. Like you say, that, that, that ball over the top to Callum Wilson, it caught him by surprise as well. But... Um, you know, I think I think match of the day had about eight seconds worth of um, highlights for the first half, and that was mainly because th- there just wasn't a lot going on from either side. Um, and I, I, if if there was any kind of rhyme or reason to, to why it keeps happening, we'd have probably worked it out by now. But there just does seem odd halves like the the first half against Chelsea, where things just don't seem to pick up, um, and I, I don't know what the answer is. No, it's a difficult one. I think if it was an easy answer, we'd have, uh, we'd have sorted it out ages ago. I've just noticed we've got a fair few comments coming in on Facebook about some of the things we've been talking about, trying to pick up um, a few of those. Um, Barry Anderson getting to the, the the sort of nub of it, saying, ifs, buts, and maybes, don't give us points. You're right, they don't. They don't. We've got one yeah, point. Yeah, but, but, but if my auntie had bollocks, she'd be my uncle. So, <laughs> well, well, we've talked about that many times. And- I know. You know, until cool. she does have the operation, cool. she's you not your see, uncle. You should see her. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lee Cluitt, I think that says, uh, West Brom at home, last game should be an easy three points. And I'm sure we can get another win out of the other game, so we'll be fine. That's what I've been thinking for quite some time, Lee, but just really got to get those wins over the line. It is concerning that we're not doing that. Uh, Paul Gruber with an interesting comment. Does, he doesn't think the team have confidence in Benteke, so don't bother crossing the ball in, which is it's an interesting view on that. It's like it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? We, we cross when he's not there and we don't when he is. Um, but uh, there's, there's little doubt in my mind that he's clearly uh, one of the, uh, the the best headers of the ball in the Premier League, so we've really got to get more service to him. Uh, in the air because he's at the moment he can't do it with his feet. We've seen that as well. I mean, we we see how we see how good he's in the air because he has to, he comes very deep to win these flick-ons, which you know eight out of ten he wins. Yeah. Um, but obviously their headers, you know, t- thirty forty yards from goal, and they're just not you know they're not coming off and not getting through to anybody. You know, he's he's got the ability. So like you say, why aren't we trying to capitalise on that more and getting him twenty five yards further up the pitch and put the ball to him in the penalty area? No, well, exactly, and it's. I'm sure it's something that the that the club have, have noted. It's just you've got to get it get it sorted through coaching, through again, it's confidence, isn't it? It's just making sure you've got that opportunity to do it. And I think what Mike was getting at, and what Alex was getting at as well, is that is it's having Townsend, for example, in those positions to cross because Townsend's got plenty of assists this season. Well, I say plenty; he's got a decent number. Uh, but he doesn't get into those positions as much as he used to, um, and as much as he does in that four four two, which is which is very odd to watch. Uh, Barry Anderson again. Southampton might have difficult fixtures, but it showed today 
Um, if they're a good team in the top six, um, might well play their kids and they've got, and they might have nothing to play for. Um, if, like Arsenal did, which gives the bottom three teams a chance. So it's a good point there that we can't rely on the big teams beating the uh, the teams around us. We've got to do our own thing. Uh, loads more in there as well. Yeah, I don't cheers, think I Chelsea. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Uh, uh, John John Lennon, not that one, has been asking, uh, now, did we miss Benteke better with or without him? So we've discussed that a little bit, um, obviously, to... I think we all kind of felt that overall... Overall, perhaps we did miss. It's weird. It's weird, isn't it? I can't. I can't. Even though gut, my sort of gut instinct says we missed him because we didn't have a focal point. Um, there's no denying we scored a couple of good goals and created plenty without him. So I think so, you get. I think you get away with it against uh, you know teams like Bournemouth. Um, we we can say we didn't necessarily miss him in an attacking sense because we scored two goals and created a few more chances. Um, and like I say, the, the sort of the, where I'm suggesting we missed him was maybe in our own area, and that again, that's not what you're looking to for 120 grand a week striker to do. But and we're lucky we don't have any games against sort of you know I don't know how long Benteke's out. I don't think anybody does at the moment. But for example, if yesterday had been away at Man United or Chelsea, and again it's ifs buts and maybes, which we've alluded to, we can't really rely on. I don't think we I don't think you get away with it. You know, you, you need you need someone who can try and dominate some centre halves and. As good as they are, I don't think Zaha and Townsend are going to do that. No, certainly not. Not, not, in the, not in the same way. You saw, you know, Will always does his best work when he drifts out wide into the channels and, and cuts into the centre and starts dumping people on their arse and that kind of thing. He's, uh, he's not going to sort of win too many headers at the back post, although he did win one, uh, but she was just slightly off balance with and got, got a header on target. Um, so look, our first chance of the game was just after the 20-minute mark. Um, Sort of Ruben Loftus cheek getting in down the left hand side, cuts back, picks out uh, James MacArthur, who's just inside the area, sort of faints to shoot and then does have a shot. And uh, Nathan Ake blocks it in front of Begovic. And that's pretty much the only real chance of a, of a pretty dull first half for us, um, despite the fact there were no shots finished. on target, Chris. No shots on target, both sides. Sorry, toys butt in there. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, what did you make of that, Alex? <laughs> when, you've, when you've got stats as good as that, you can't help <laughs> yeah. but buy. You know what I mean? Zero shots on target first half. And I think it was a pretty drab first half, really, wasn't it? Um, I think a lot of cancelling um, out um, from both sides. Um, and, you know, nothing really happened to the second half. Um, you know, we all know what happened in the second half with the changes that, you know, Bournemouth made. But, you know, I, I, I really couldn't have called it. I think we... We started quite slowly, but up until that chance, we sort of gained a foothold in the first half slightly to add a bit more possession, but there were no clear-cut chances. No, absolutely right. And, um, you know, I'll be honest, I, I was pretty bored watching that first half. You know, <laughs> I, I felt, I felt we were quitting ourselves well, but, you know, I, I just couldn't see where a goal was coming from. And that takes mm. us to the, the start of the second half. You know, Palace getting forward well. Ball gets knocked back to Kabai. Defoe's coming back. You know, he's obviously he wants to get himself in the England squad for the World Cup, so he wants to play ninety minutes. Wants to work really, really hard. Show he can still, still got the legs to do it. Runs back and, and you know an unwise challenge if you're if you're a Bournemouth fan. Takes Kabai's legs just as he shoots and gets us a, a free kick in a dangerous area. And uh, Mike Lucas steps up for it. You thinking he's going to score? Well, I mean it's. It's great. I, I put him as first goal st- a scorer um, with uh, 
with Bet365, just whoever it was I was betting with just before the game. You've got to put him at least like to score at any time at the moment because you know he's getting. Um, and yeah, it was an absolute beauty, wasn't it? Um, and, and the best thing about it, I, I still haven't forgiven Defoe for um, for the goal at Sellers back in December. So for him to concede the foul as well, that was, yeah, it was it, the, the stars aligned there, didn't they? It was beautiful. Really did. It was, um, you know, obviously PVA took the last one from a similar position uh, uh, last week and forced, uh, forced a decent save. But you sort of thought as soon as, as soon as Lucas sort of got anywhere near it, he just had that look on his face. That yeah. one that gets producer Mikey all excited. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, Begovic had a great game as well. I mean, it, it was nothing he could do about that. But, you know, he, he arguably was one of the best players on the pitch. Um, and he, he stopped a, a couple of really decent ones, including PVA's chance later on. So, um, you know, he had no chance for that whatsoever. Absolutely not. And Alex, I saw a lot of people, again, talking about the fact that Luca has come in and he is the the ultimate replacement for Jedinak, the ultimate upgrade in that he's a leader. He can hit a good free kick. <laughs> he scores a penalty. He's, he's got his <laughs> what can he do? Yeah, what can he do? I, I, I literally think... Um, Luca is probably up there for a player of the season. I know there's a lot of talk about Tompkins and Zaha, but I think Luca, in you know the times when we went you know five six about a win, he was always first to be counted. He'd always come over to the, the corner of the Homesdale to try and give people a lift. He's always he's just he's just that leader that you know we, we've been craving since um, since Yenat left. So you know I, I I love the man. You know he's one of my favourite Palace players. Um, and you know he's he's more to him than just a bruiser in midfield. He's got great passing, you know. He's deadly from set pieces, and he scored some really important goals this this season. Um, so you know, fair play to him. And you know, I'm hoping he can continue that for the next couple of games. Definitely. And Albert, I noticed after Mikey posted the goal and another retweet. If you love Luca on Twitter during the course of the game, I noticed a lot of comments coming in, particularly after the game was over from uh, supporters of other clubs talking about how underrated Luka Milivojevic is. Do you worry we might not keep hold of him? Uh, I, yeah, that's, that's a problem at our level, isn't it? You, <laughs> a player does well, especially when it's like a, a 12 million bargain. You think, oh, well, that's it. Someone's going to come in and probably only take 25, 30 to, to let him go. But I, th- I think it says a lot that, that you say, you know, a lot of player, a lot of other um, teams, fans, you know, so Zaha always plays well against us, and it turns out that you know a lot of different clubs say it, and it's because Zaha's a really good player. So, if Luke is getting similar sort of you know plaudits from rival clubs, and he's got to be doing something right because we know how good he is. He's he's come in and sort of won us over, and he like you say he's, he's the he's the ultimate sort of upgrade on melee. Although the beard is you know severely lacking. You know, that's, yeah, that's, <laughs> well, that's true. That's the one thing I'd pull him up on. Um, yeah. But it's his birth. It was his, it was his birthday yesterday. Is that yeah, right? It was happy birthday, Luca. Happy birthday, Luca. Sure you're listening. Um, uh, yeah, of course he is. He's a hero. Yeah, no, he's great. I've, I, I can't... I'd be, yeah, I'd be devastated if he left. And, and I think I think Alex is right. I think uh, there's a lot of talk about James Tompkins, a player of the season, you know, competing with Wilf. But my my number two, very close run number two on my voting slip at the moment would be Luca. Go on, mate. Yeah, I, I just remember, because he, he, came, he came from William Piarcos, didn't he? If I remember rightly. Yes, he did. Um, yeah, I remember when he first came in and he was he was talking about why he chose Palace and he sounded, I mean, it's his Serbian accent as well, but he sounded really pragmatic. He was like, well, this was the best option for my career, that kind of thing. So my only worry is, um, you know, if, if 
there's options in the summer that are better again for his career. Um, he's probably going to be pragmatic again, but um, that, that's the cynic in me, I guess. Yeah, we've seen it all before, though, haven't we, Mike? <laughs> yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> they, they, they come in, they play brilliantly, we, we learn to love them, and then they yeah. go, and yeah. they go. Or Alan, or Alan Pardew gets rid of them. That's also one of them. <laughs> um, hopefully not in this case. There's a lot of debate uh, going on on Facebook about uh, about strikers. Um, Rob Cahill saying Wickham has to be first choice next season. Got to stay injury fit uh, free first, doesn't it? I I got. I mean, all right, Albert making noises about Wickham. Go on. No, no, no. Listen, I, I, one, I'd, I'd query him being first choice. Anyway, number <laughs> two, number two, you throw in the. If he stays fit, I mean, he's not even fit. He doesn't. He doesn't get fit, let alone stay fit. So, you cannot. You cannot, as a Premier League club, hoping that we're a Premier League club. Massive caveat to this to this statement. You can't. You can't go into a Premier League season relying on Connor Wickham to be your number one through ability or you know reliability. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's just a, it's just a sad fact. Really, he's, he's not. He's never going to be fit. Yeah, that's it. well. I hope he will. I hope he will. But uh, it was. I think all this came off of all came from Matthew Guy saying, "If we get safe, I hope we bench Benteke and play Saul off up front." So he's another one who's got to get fit. Rob Cahill saying he's not a Premier League striker. Well, I mean, effectively he is in the fact that he plays for us, and we're currently in the Premier League. But um, I think it's very, very early to make any kind of a judgment on Surloff. Other than to me, he looks like he's got a bit about him, but uh, needs to get up to yeah. the pace. Um. And then Tim Davis saying, it's just made me realise something. Brighton is a must-win. Millwall might come up. And he's just introduced the idea in my head that we would be in the championship where Millwall and Brighton were in the Premier League. And Tim, I am not going to sleep because of that. And I, mm. frankly, I, you need to apologise. <laughs> what a horrible, horrible thought. That's just entered my well, brain. They keep winning, don't they? Yeah. yeah Apparently their squad only cost 800,000. players in total. Is still uh, what's his face? Neil. Oh, yeah, Neil, Neil, Neil Harris. Harris. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Man, who knows? They'll ruin Neil the Premier League. Now. They will. Millwall. They, them oh. in the Premier League would be a horrible sight. Just want to add that in. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you, mate. Anyway, so <laughs> where I left it, we were one new up after a great Luka Milivojevic free kick. And, Can we um, just leave it there? I'd love to very much. So I think some of our team did. Um, that is strictly true. I've been I've been mean there. So uh, we're straight up the other end actually. And it was Luca who didn't quite clear a ball, came off his heel, went uh, to Pew and uh, brought a good save out of the keeper uh, from the resulting corner. Lewis Cook, Lewis Cook, Lewis Cook, <laughs> Lewis Cook, tested him again. He saved well. Uh, I want to take this opportunity to talk about Lewis Cook and what a horrible little bastard he is. Is he the bigger of the two former cooks? <laughs> No, no, Steve Cook's probably bigger. Yeah, Steve um, Cook's on right on. Yeah, he's he's a bit of a bruiser at the back there, and I think he's ex Brighton. And uh, Lewis Cook is just one of those because you know how they—he's just not playing at the moment. Harry Arter, he was there. He was born with sort of nasty little piece of work in midfield. He'd run around kicking people after the ball had gone. Well, Cook does the same thing, but is that bit in the first half where he got Zaha booked, didn't he? For he basically just wrapped his legs around him and. I know he didn't actually get Fazar booked in the end, but that, yeah, it was just a just an unnecessary bit of sort of violence after the ball. But he just kicked people all game. Just wanted to bring that up, Mike. You agreed with me, didn't you? Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters May seventeenth. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, I think you've pretty much covered it. Most of the expletives I'd like to add in, I shouldn't do. <laughs> yeah, he, I, but the, the, the shot he had just after Pius, I mean, again, Hennessy did did really well with that. Um, yeah, it was a very good save. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was, it was a you know, good, good low down save. And, uh, yeah. But I thought in, in general, um, you know, our midfield I, I had, had the better of theirs for huge periods of the game. Um, they, they didn't, they didn't really stretch for pace particularly. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought for for long periods, Kabaya and Milivojevic were totally comfortable. They were, they yeah, they they very much were. I think that's where the system really helped because because you had those extra central midfielders, if you like, who just yeah, tucked in, definitely. and we did. We just overran them in midfield, and they were getting extremely frustrated. And you know, the two sort of shots that they had, that was kind of their response to us going a goal up, and then that then there was that period where we should have scored, you know, two or three. You got, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think Hennessy came out and caught a corner and just sort of chucked it up to Wilf down the left-hand side. And he played that ball first sort of first time inside to, to Van Arnhol, who yet again is in a completely bizarre area of the pitch for a left-back. But I'm starting to really enjoy it. I was hating it earlier in the season. But because he's doing a lot better at left-back, I'm really starting to enjoy his uh, his strange sojourns up the up the pitch into different areas. Uh, completely through. And Albert, he's, he's really got to finish that when he's got there, hasn't he? Yeah, it's the. I mean, he's got a long way to run with a ball, and he's probably had too much time to think about it. And it's probably one one touch too many before getting his shot away. And um, again, it's you know, it's it's a crucial a crucial chance that if we score that, we're probably. I mean, listen, Bournemouth have got a great record of coming back, even from sort of two 0 down. You know, I think they've got the most secured the most points from losing positions in the Premier League. So even a two 0 cushion's not you know a a, a guaranteed. You know, a guaranteed thing, but um, he's got he has he has to do better there, and he's you know he scored a couple of goals this season already. So you'd like, you like, know, I was confident of him doing it, but the sort of longer it went on, yeah, just one touch too many. It was a shame. Yeah, you see, he tries to open out his body. So he wants to play it left foot into the bottom corner, but he's just drifted too far over to the right, and uh, he's kind of you can see him just caught between two minds. And in the end, he's tried to sort of do give him the, give Begovic the eyes and hit it near post. And it's actually Begovic's left foot behind him that catches the ball. So he's actually beating him. Um, in, in, you know, it's just, just that trailing foot gets in the way. But so, what a ball, what, what awareness and what a ball from Zaha. Oh um, yeah. And that's I mean, what he doesn't get any credit for at no. all. You know, everyone thinks he's this, uh, uh, you know, had, um, it was commentary. It was, I think it was Tony Gale just constantly going on about, uh, he's doing one trick too many and all this kind of crap about Zaha. We hear it all all around for people who don't watch him week in, week out. And it's so frustrating that when he plays a ball like that, you're not thinking about how, how has he seen that? And the time uh, that he's, he's, you know, it's brilliant. And I think it was in the same run of play, was it, wasn't it? was it Tony Gale who, who says, oh, it's a great save from Wayne Hennessy uh, when it's, 
Begovic that's made the save from, yeah. you know, yeah. shows exactly what he knows. <laughs> Speaking of which, though, like, Hennessy starting the move, like, it, it, some of his balls out yesterday, and in fact, the last couple of games, they've been, they've been absolutely spot on, and he, he, he does not get the credit for that. I'm not allowed to talk about Wayne Hennessy, Mike. No, so yes, <laughs> the, yeah. the listeners have told me I'm not allowed to talk about him anymore. Um, no, so, yeah, I, I, I just get told off. Um so I have, I have, I have admitted, I've said that the goalkeeper made two good saves, <laughs> and I agree with what you just said there. <laughs> so let's just leave it at that. Print that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, uh, I'm laughing. My throat's going a bit Phil Mitchell. So hold on a second, I've just got to have a quick swig of whiskey. Are you smoking crack? Not intentionally. <laughs> oh my god! Sounded <laughs> oh. <Standing> like it. <laughs> oh right, that's better. Oh, nice and clear. There we go. Huh? There we go. Yeah. Oh, ah, should have done that. <laughs> My eyes are watering now. Um, so, Alex, you're back. Uh, we just talked yep. about PVA's missed chance. So, shortly after that, another chance for Zaha as uh, Townsend beats the offside trap, controls the ball well, holds it up, waiting for the runner. Wilf plays him in in the area. Wilf cuts inside, left foot shot, and just at the last minute, you can see he changes his mind from drilling it across Begovic, goes near post, good save from Begovic, but again chance there isn't it you know at the top level you've got to tuck those away massive chance and we were just we were well ahead at that point so much possession so many chances we should have been two three and up um after that so such a shame and you know we i think that's been the story of our season isn't it um going one and up and losing leads really easily and i wasn't really convinced um that you know we'd we'd kick on and get a get a second so Frustrating, very frustrating. Absolutely. So, you know, we're in this period here. We're actually, we're overrunning Bournemouth. So do you know what Bournemouth did? Do you know what they oh, did? They brought in two strikers, Chris. I can't, yeah, I, can't, brought... I can't remember the word that begins with S. <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> they did two of those. Yeah, they did two of those. <laughs> they bring, brought in two of those things. Um, so how would changes his system and, and brings on uh, sort of attacking midfielder in, in Mousset. And um and also brings on Josh King, who's a striker slash attacking midfielder. Um and well, Mousset fires the ball to Francis, um, crosses the ball in, bad header from Tompkins this time, straight to Fraser. Shocker. Who knocks it back to Mousset, who's a substitute, uh, and he finishes well into the bottom corner and it's one one. And it's kind of it's out of nothing really. It's one poor header that's cost us. Because you can understand, you know, there's nothing too wrong with the build up. We kept kept a good shape. It's just Whatever hap- happens with Tompkins, where he just missed times the header, you can see it because he's he's heading it outwards, but at the, but the ball connects just like just before he moves his head in that direction, so it's effectively the the ball bouncing off of his head straight to the feet of Fraser, and that's all it takes in the Premier League, and you get punished. Albert, I tell you what, what most thing that annoys me about that is that it's been Hale. All right, fair enough, he's made two substitutions. Uh, Eddie Hale, the shifty PE teacher. Um, but he's he gets he does doesn't he? He looks yeah, like a, no, he looks like a shifty PE teacher. You just if you hit the nail on the head, I've always called him creepy. I said there's always something creepy about him. But you've got it in one. It's a shifty PE teacher look. He's yeah. the sort of uh, sort of PE teacher that would maybe accidentally come into the pub where you might be drinking underage and sort of try and be your mates. Do you know what I mean? Oh. <laughs> still wearing still wearing his still wearing his like PE kit. His Bournemouth. Don't, don't worry, guys. I'm not going to say anything. Hey, you can call no. me Ed. Do you smoke? Um, <laughs> no, uh, oh, sorry, I've got massively sidetracked. Um, what was I saying? Oh, uh, yeah, it gets hailed as like, oh, it's tactical genius. 
oh, it's great. And, you know, he's brought on two subs and they've scored. And don't get me wrong, I, I do appreciate the fact that he's made substitutions purely because we don't. But, you know, the, the player's only been on the pitch for about 30 seconds. It's not like it was a huge change in sort of shape and tactics. You know, it was a, a, a sort of a, a run of play that involved a bit of luck. Um, just annoys me because I, I just get sick of this Eddie Howe um, loving that you just deal with it every week in the press. Yeah, I'm just yeah, I'm, I'm the same boat really. Um, yeah, to be fair, you know, you, you talk about the job he's done at Bournemouth, and it always gets forgotten just how much money they spent to do it. No it one really talks does. about the job that he didn't do at Burnley. Oh, exactly. No, um, apart from some Burnley Burnley fans. Not yeah, probably. Uh, so look, our response was good. Uh, you know, it, it was, and you get that moment of magic then from Bill from Bill. Yeah, Bill Zaha. You know him. Sign him Ooh. up. Wow. Wow. Mikey, please edit the word Bilf out. <laughs> no. Edit edit Bilf into every other time that you say Wilf. <laughs> I'm going to call it. All right, fine. Bilf and Zaha from now on. Uh, so, Dangerous <laughs> Townsend again beats the offside trap uh, down on the left side. Um, and, he, you know, you can see initially Bilf, he's, he's lost the ball due to the sort of trickery. <laughs> but he recovers it brilliantly, doesn't he? He does that little 360 spin. And then just drills it left footed, and I still they they thought deflection they thought deflection when I first saw it, and I still can't make my mind up whether it just hits it so cleanly and it's got proper movement on it because of how he's driven it, or it actually just glances off the defender. But whatever happens, it goes straight in the top corner. Um, just a magical, magical finish, wasn't it, Mike? Yeah, well, uh, funny enough, um, Begovic ended up on <coughs> certain other podcast yesterday I had a little bit of an interview um, and he was absolutely adamant it took a deflection and it, it took him the wrong way he said he, he said he would have made a comfortable save um, which I thought was a little on the arrogant side hmm. um, but he, he said he, he'd gone left and then, and then it went right due to this deflection um, and that was totally totally the reason why it went in um, but to be honest I'll take that I mean it was such a beautiful move and, and when he lost the defender just before the shot Absolutely deserved, wasn't it, really? Yeah, it really was. Albert? Number one, it doesn't take a deflection. I'm not having that. It's, right. <laughs> it's a great hit. Begovic. You wouldn't want to argue with Begovic, though, would you? Yeah, I would, yeah. <laughs> if, you listen, if you're listening to this podcast, as me. Um, <laughs> I wonder what he was doing on that as well, but... Yeah. Um, the, 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 that, no one's talking about it. The best thing, best thing about that goal, forget the skill, it's the fact that he... The Bournemouth, some of the Bournemouth players are like appealing for a free kick just before he regains the ball, and he does like a he does like a finger wag. So no, 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 it's not a foul. Like whilst doing that pirouette, that three sixty pirouette, <laughs> I'm going to say it's, it's the sassiest thing I've ever seen <laughs> to, to, to do that and then rifle it in. It really reminded me. Do you remember years ago when there's that there's that I think it was an FA Cup game against Newcastle, Wayne Rooney for United, scream yeah. screaming in the referee's face about something. And then just saw the ball just sort of sit up really nicely. Absolutely levers it from about twenty yards. <laughs> it reminded me of that, but it was uh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's literally mid screams. Yeah, still, yeah. still shouting at the ref as he does. He volleys it into the top corner. It was like that, but a bit more Beyonce, just yeah. with a finger wag. As you say, <laughs> sass. And if there's a man that knows sass, it's you, Albert. Wow, <laughs> sassy Albert. They call me. <laughs> they, they do all the time. Alex, another magical moment from Wilf. Uh, we can't really do without him, can we? No, we can't. And to us, he didn't have a. I don't think things came off for him on, in the first half, but in the second half, he was just outstanding, wasn't he? We were talking about the pass earlier that he put. Oh, Alex just went. 
I mean, it was a good point. I totally agree, Alex. Uh, Can I just? I've just I've just gone through the um, highlights again on Match of the Day. Yeah, and it's. I mean, this is a more general point. This thing that um, this expected goals stat that seems to be slapped on football games now, and it just said expected goals one point nine nine for Bournemouth, expected goals for Palace point nine or something. What's that about? Because I tend to go into Palace games expecting no goals. <laughs> so I want to know. Can you know. hear me? Uh, yeah, Alex. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Back. you just kind of just jumped right in the middle of a point that Albert was making. Sorry. Uh, it's fine, Albert. I mean, I wasn't not, expecting not... that. Well, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Don't get a stat for that on the match of the day, do you? Yeah, expected. Go- I don't get it. What is it? Um, I don't know. I, I, I keep seeing it. I suppose uh, a rough guess, Albert, I would say that they were basing that on form, who's away and who's at home and the tight number of goals they score a game and that kind of stuff. And then they kind of predict a result of the back of it that's completely meaningless. Yeah, sounds about right. Sounds about right, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, Alex, you were making a point and then you stopped and then we all mocked you because you'd gone. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay, so I was just talking about Zaha and the fact that, you know, in the first half, things weren't really coming off for him, were they? And then second half, he really turned it on and just completely dominated that second half. And we all talked about the pass that he put in for Van Arnholt, um and he was just dominating, wasn't he? Bossing it, absolutely. Getting into great positions, um, and yeah, it's just it's just outstanding player, and for us, for us to have a hope of staying up, we need to, you know, keep him fit, keep him, you know, firing all cylinders, and fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely right. Listen, he was he was getting some stick off the Bournemouth fans, and a couple of things hadn't gone for him. Um, like you say, first half in particular, he wasn't having a great influence on the game. He was trying a lot of tricks and you know, his, his touch seemed to desert him on a couple of occasions. And yeah, the Bournemouth fans were loving it. So it was so good to see him do that lovely bit of skill and smash the ball home because it, you know, it's an opportunity for him just to ram it back down their throats and in the best way possible. You know, his, and, um, his reaction when they when he scored as well. I mean, you, I haven't seen him celebrate any harder than that ever. Um, I, I think that I think the pantomime boobs all the way through. They they were kind of weird. They're a little bit sad, um, but they seem to actually make him want to play better as well. Um, so it, it did totally the opposite of what they were intending it to be. Oh, definitely, yeah. He he gets fired up by that kind of stuff. Yeah. He, he really does. Um, I think I said it re- relatively recently on, um, on on one of our Love Sport shows where I think it was talking about it was the, the preview to Huddersfield. And I said, you know, they kicked him off the park last time and they say they're going to do it again. And, you know, they better hope that they do because otherwise he's going to destroy them because, you know, he doesn't forget those things. Yeah. And, well, both things happened. He destroyed them and kicked them, and they kicked him off the park. But uh, go on, Alex. Um, just, just a quick one. Just, it just shows how far he's come. And it just, he looks so mature in in this game. I think the old Wilf will have reacted to, you know, that that Lewis Cook, you know, clutch in the first half and the pantomime booze. But it just shows how much he's matured as a player this season and last season. Um, and the fact that he's not reacting, and you know, it wasn't coming off for him in the first half, but he still turned it on in the second half, and. I think it's going to be a big test for him to, to prove if he is that you know world class player which we all think he's going to be uh, against Brighton and Watford. You know, Watford have got this weird, weird uh, thing with with Wilf. I think in, in the past they've had a few altercations with him with the with penalty pills and things like that. And obviously Brighton are just Brighton, so 
it, you know, I've, it, I've, let's see if it can help motivate him in the, in the next two games because, you know, I think the old Wilf, you know, the Wilf that we saw, you know, coming through at Palace and, you know, early days in the Premier League, you know, would would have reacted and, you know, would have got a steady booking or would have kicked out a, a Lewis Cook there. But he's looking very mature, very professional uh, and he's playing some of the best football of his career at the moment. Indeed. Uh, Albert, he did react to something. Um I can't Did he? It was the, the Lewis Cook thing. He had reacted, yeah. I mean, not not terribly. You know, he held on to his because obviously Lewis Cook was sort of holding his leg between his legs. Sounds quite erotic, but it wasn't. Was that second half? Then, yeah, it was first half. That's first really, half. We started dragging him along a little bit and reacting. No, there was something. There was definitely something in the second half. Our, our friend Tony Gale was saying he's got to walk away from that. Like again, like pulling out the old. He's not mature enough. Blah, blah, blah. I can't remember what it was. There's definitely something down yeah. in the wing where he he got yeah. involved. It didn't it didn't lead anyway, it didn't get booked and I think the referee dealt with it quite nicely. But um Yeah. But I mean he's always gonna get that. Look we could talk about Bill Fazaha all day, couldn't we? Bloody <laughs> Bill. <laughs> Bill. But, uh, look we seventy five minutes on the clock, we've got two one up and you know what we've got to do. Just gotta see that game out. And I think this is an ideal opportunity to hear and another Hamblings rant. Chris Hamblings got all ranty. Something's really wound him up. He's using lots of nutty words like bloody cripes and four pizza. It's going to get quite heated. The air is turning blue. The refs have come. The players are. And guess what? So are you. He'll whine about the tactics, the substitutes and such. But please don't get him started on Jordan much. So here it is. It's another Hamblings Ramblings. I haven't had one of these in a while. I hear you crying. And uh, I can only apologise for that. You see, the thing is, there's not been an awful lot new to talk about with Palace of late. You know, it's been mainly injuries and, uh, you know, good performances, but bad results, that kind of stuff. And I haven't really felt the need to, to ramble or get worked up about anything. However, I think, like most of you, something is starting to grate a little bit and uh, that that thing I suppose you could say it's the inability to see out a game properly or more specifically you could label it as the inability to use substitutes at all in the most basic of circumstances and let's face it it's getting very frustrating you see we've been playing pretty well you know, get into decent parts of a game you know play, play out playing better opposition we're you know, putting a lot of pressure on in certain areas and we're just not closing games out. And I suppose you can forgive it once or twice or three times or four times or five times, but every time, every time. And if you think about it, there's no real excuse. I mean, you can look at Roy and you can say, OK, Roy remembers those days, doesn't he, where there weren't substitutes and your striker would have to play on with one leg or if he was Christian Menteke. Or, you'd, you'd, you know, you'd basically have that one sub and... and you'd just be reliant on the fact that the player who went off injured was the right position, that kind of thing. Roy remembers those days, you know? Perhaps they're all that he remembers, because at the moment he seems to have completely forgotten that he has a bench available. And okay, let's give him a little bit of sympathy. That's most of the stage of this season. He hasn't really had much of a bench to be available at all, and he's sensibly never chosen to put Jordan much on it. However, 
now we're in a position we've got some players back we're playing well and we're getting into positions in games where we should be taking points and why why isn't he closing it out it's an incredibly basic managerial tactic everyone does it if they're losing games they chase it using subs if they're winning games they shut up shop using subs yet Roy seems insistent on trying to play for a full 90 minutes with with players who are continuously getting injured I mean we saw it didn't we against Huddersfield everyone wanted to take Wilf off uh, you know let's, let's get Wilf off the pitch unless he gets injured oh, oh he's injured oh oh well oh let's bring an extra defender on in case we can see the last minute goal against Manchester United oh no we conceded that last minute goal and yet again we saw it against Bournemouth two substitutes coming on and scoring goals against us yet we don't bother to use one to close out the game and you know what it is you know what really gets me it's not that Roy can't use subs it's just he's such a palace man that he knows if he did use subs we'd be home and hose by now and that's just not the way we do things we're going to leave it till the very last game of the season because that's the palace way and it's infuriating chris sambling's gone all ranty something's really wound him up he's using lots of nutty words like bloody cripes and for pete's sake it's going to get quite heated the air is turning blue the refs a cup, the players are, and guess what, so are you. He'll whine about the tactics, the substitutes and such. But please don't get him started on Jordan much. There we have it. Lack of substitutes. So many questions in from you at home. So many comments in pretty much during the game, after the game, and ever since, all over Twitter. If you search the CPFC hashtag, it's absolutely the the biggest point of debate at the moment. And, well, let's just get involved. Albert, I'll start with you, mate. What what reason is there not to, to use a sub? And, I, and I'll start you off because I can't remember who it was. I was looking at uh, being interviewed now. It's really annoying me. But it was one of the players, anyway, who had mentioned the fact that because we hadn't scored the chances that we'd had, um, there was no need to shut up shop or we couldn't risk shutting up shop. Didn't make a lot of sense to me. How about you? It doesn't make a great deal of sense. I, I can't deny it. Um, again, Eddie Howe's come out in his post-match comments on various outlets and said, you know, something along the lines of, oh, I've been making subs recently that have got us back into games from losing positions. It's not always the case, but it seems to be working. And, you know, for us, it seems to be the other way around. You know, you mentioned the United game you know that could have gone either way but you sort of think why not do it you know why not sacrifice a forward player for the last five ten minutes and and just you know just it's going to be it's going to be a fight isn't it you know that you know that teams again certainly these sort of bottom half teams are going to be relying on getting balls into the box or set pieces or corners um you know so why not put another sort of defensive minded player in there and and just just compete a bit more. And I mean, Wan Bissaka's switched off. If he's a bit more switched on, maybe we don't concede the goal. But you've got to use every every sort of trick in the book and every you know, every advantage that you can muster. And and yeah, just fresh legs at the back, or just another defender in in lieu of a, an attacking player because we're winning the game. It's bizarre, really. Is Chris back? Yeah, sorry about that. That's right. I mean, 
I know, I know, I made a really good point, but I didn't think it was that good that you, I was just, you, you I was needed just to end the show there. <laughs> it was like it was seven minutes ago. Well, Alex will chip in, and then Michael will speak, and then I'll just say bye. So I was going to pop off for. A yeah. Um, or, listen, listen, it was either that. It was either that, or the uh, the fourth official substitute board wasn't working, and we couldn't make any subs. That's the answer. <laughs> the batteries are gone. You know how it is. Yeah. I think that's what's happening with my mouse at the moment, which is why I accidentally clicked to exit the uh the area so um look it well i will give you an opportunity alex to get your views across um well yeah i feel yesterday was you know we we're much needed we needed a, a, a sub yesterday i think there were a few tired legs and you know I'm, uh, if you if you look at the past there are some games where you know the squad was very thin and maybe those occasions wouldn't justify a substitution but yesterday definitely you know and i feel you know loftus cheeks they just come back from injury looked a bit looked a bit sluggish uh, especially in the second half and i think like i said um previously uh, i think he looked a bit sluggish coming off the bench um against liverpool so he's not 100% um, MacArthur tends to be taken off after about 70, 75 minutes um, when we did make subs. He, he traditionally would come off at, at that time, so maybe he could have come off. And Kabai yeah, as well. Kabai, Kabai as well, yeah. Kabai, you know, picks up knocks in, in some games. I feel like Riedervard was tailor-made uh, to to come on. Um, so it was, it's a big concern, really, because, you know, we've got some tough games. Games against teams around us, you know, there's going to be... Um, you know, there'll be there'll be a quite a lot of quite a lot of strong challenges, I imagine, against Brighton. We're playing against teams that are you know fighting for their lives. So, you know, we do need to use this squad better, and we've got players back now. So there's no excuse not to. Uh, yeah, so it's a big concern, really, because I, I feel if Riedervold came in yesterday, he would have steadied the ship, and and I feel you know we would have you know we, we would have won that game yesterday. It's, it's just it's not on, and you know that could be the difference between. You know, staying up um, this season, which well, is a big shame, really. Again, you you look at what we had on the bench. So obviously, we had Diego Cavalieri and Chung Yong Lee. You wouldn't have brought either of those. No. Perhaps sorry, I'm still not sure about whether one of his legs works. So perhaps not. Um, but you look at the rest, the rest of that bench. I, I mean, Daly would have been a an option if you were to drop 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 out one of the wingers. And, you know, revert to a sort of one up top, not really bothered about attacking formation, just mm. sticking up the other end. But really, you know, the players we're talking about are Fossey, Mensah, Kelly and Riedervald. So you've got two out-and-out defenders plus a, a defensive midfielder there, and all who, of whom are, are very, very capable. You look at, you're absolutely right. Alex Loftus-Cheek was struggling. He was holding his back at about 85 minutes, walking around very gingerly, and, you know, that doesn't help. Uh, and obviously... I suppose what might count against him going off is his height. You know, if we're, if we're thinking about packing the area and trying to protect, you know, from a set piece, which is what we obviously eventually concede from. But you know, the same Wan uh, Wasaka, who, 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 you know, it does lose his man for that goal as well. Uh, again, maybe it would have an opportunity to give him a bit of a, a rest because it was a tough game for him. I felt, uh, although he did very well at certain times, he was struggling at others. But you guys, if you've talked about it, oh, Kabaya usually goes off. You know, MacArthur usually goes off. Um, it, it's it's odd to see to see us try and close out a game in 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 that manner. And it wasn't as if we didn't get a bit of a warning. Um, that's that's how I felt because we had a good what fourteen minutes um, mm. of them pressuring us and us not reacting to it. And 
I just found it so frustrating. Mike, I know you've not had a chance really to, to sort of chip in on this. I mean, again, obviously, knowing what you know, knowing that Bournemouth drew 2-2, are we, are we getting sort of carried away with managing in hindsight again, or is it is it really that obvious? Well, yeah, I mean, if, if I'm to second guess Hodgson, uh, I'm not saying I agree with him. Um, I think for the majority of the game, um, Wan-Bissaka was covered well by Loftus-Cheek and to an extent by Zahar. Um, and I, I wonder if he wanted to rock the boat. I mean, I, I, I would have, I, I was thinking, well, why is Reedabell not coming on? You know, you, you just make that assumption, oh, Kabai must be knackered. Um, perhaps he wasn't. Um, he, you know, he made plenty of runs forward. There was a point on about an hour where Zahar could have played him on um, for a shot. You know, he'd made it all the way up to the the edge of the box and so I ended up shooting himself so he, he looked all right so I wonder if um, Hodgson just, just didn't trust um, you know he, he drilled in um, what midfielders were covering what area in defence and he, he, he didn't want to rock the boat um, as for as for James Daly not not that one um, I think it would have been a baptism of fire to bring him on and, and, and if something bad had happened you know it would be a, a, a terrible start for him, I, I, you know. But if we were tuning it up, then fair enough, bring him on. But it, it didn't feel like the game to to be bringing him on. Um, I, again, I, I would, I would, I would have expected at least one substitute, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a great idea not to have any. But that's the only thing I can think that Hodgson was thinking. Just looking back, just looking back, just to come in quickly, looking back at the subs that Hodgson has made, they've been quite rash. Do you remember, uh, wasn't Ben Teke taken off at half-time one game? I can't remember when it was. Chelsea. Chelsea, yeah, just got got taken off at half-time. They don't really seem like, I don't know, they just seem very rash. They don't seem very adaptive to what's going well, on in the game. With they that Ben Teke just... one, sorry. sorry. Yeah. Um, I, I know that um, he did say in the press conference afterwards, you know, he said that someone wasn't putting their weight and it was pretty obvious that he, he was angry with mm. him. I, yeah. I think when people are, are playing to plan A, he likes to stick to plan A. Um, yeah. that, 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 I don't think that means he's not flexible, but um, uh, you know, I think I think he does like to stick with something if he thinks it can last ninety minutes, and that's the only reason I can think of. Because I mean, Riedeveld, if you take the, the Man City game, which is probably the masterclass of defence for the season, he was best player on the pitch. Yeah, he's great. So, he's great. And he, he, he's a similar type of player in, in um, to to goodbye. I feel like he's someone who's going to be coming in next season, playing in that in that position. He's a player that can pass the ball very well, and he seems quite composed. So it's just it's just strange to me how we're not utilising him as much as we should do this season. I, do, I don't get it. Why why is he starting against Man City over the Christmas period and not getting a look in uh, in the new year? I don't, I don't get it whatsoever. No, it it can only be you know it can only be about trust. It can only be about him and the coaching team having trust in him to do the job that they want to do. And like you say, it's bizarre when as fans, the only evidence we can really see of that is when he gets picked. And you know everyone. Everyone remembers the, the you know the Man City game where he got picked and did a fantastic job. So obviously to us it, it seems very odd, but there must be more to it than that. Um, it's, it's, it's very strange. It, it really is. We're not going to get you know get to the answer today or anything like that. But I think that the fact that there is a clear pattern of us conceding goals late on in games, and I, th- I think it's something that the, in these last few matches we've got to work on as a team, and that's got to include mm. being able to have a flexible enough system to accommodate defensive subs and, and not... It's difficult, because you know what it is. It's, if you if you go out, go to see out a game um, and you fail, you will get criticised for it, right? If you if you say, right, we're going to invite pressure, we're going to sit back and we're going to soak up, you know, soak it all up. 
and then you concede, you'll get absolutely ripped apart for it. And we're all behaving as if the substitutions would have made a difference. We can't prove that. We don't know that if Roy had made two defensive substitutions, we wouldn't have gone on to lose 3-2. We can't prove that. We're just saying it. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, we have got a degree of... We've all watched a lot of football for a lot of time, um, especially as... You know, we some of our most recent managers, the likes of you know Pulis and, and Warnock and people like that, we know what they were like in seeing out games, and uh, and I suppose we were influenced by that as well. But yeah, Roy Hodgson's a very, very, very experienced manager. He's got to have his reasons for doing it. But you know, it's just a very, very frustrating thing to have uh, to have witnessed once again. But just, just we didn't actually go through that goal. I mean, I don't want to go dwell on it. Obviously, it was a corner that came in. Steve Cooks got above a whole group of players who all went for the same header, headed it down towards the goal. Um, and Josh King's about a yard out and just taps it in. You know, I'm not allowed to talk about what the goalkeeper's doing, um, but obviously Wan Bissaka has, uh, has just let him let him go. And it's just a lack of concentration in the last minute. And, and I, I did have a few more questions, but looking at the time, we'll just, we'll just use this one earlier on from Xander05 on Twitter. Uh, and he says, suggestions that Aaron Wambasaka isn't good enough or experienced enough at set pieces. Does the rest of his game make up for that? I.e., should he continue to start or should Fossu Mensa come back into the side? Personally, I'd love him to play the rest of the season. So I'll start with you, Mike. What do you think? Well, I mean, he's first and foremost, he's 20. Um, you know, it's, it's going to take a while before his, his game is, is, is rounded. Um, and you've got to expect those kind of mistakes. But I mean, we, we've seen him from... We've seen him from Fossey Mensa as well. He's 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 even younger, so I, I don't think that that particularly would solve the problem. Um, yeah, I mean he was he was he was caught a couple of yards away from from Josh King there, but um, I think the one thing that I've took from that game was was how many aerial battles we didn't win. Um, I was trying to find the stats, um, and it, 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 Bournemouth, it looks as though Bournemouth won a fair few more than we did throughout the game. Um, yeah, he, he was a little bit out of position, but. Um, like like uh, Albert mentioned earlier, without Benteke making those headers, um, we we really did lose a lot of balls in the air, and and that that bothered me more about that goal than 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 Wan-Bissaka's positioning. Alex, your views? Yeah, well, I, I feel it will it will be incredibly harsh um, if Wan-Bissaka is you know dropped um, on the weekend, um, but you know it's something that I can see Hodgson doing. Maybe bringing in some experience, which arguably our biggest game of the season uh, against our rivals, and it'll be, it would be very harsh. But it's, it, you know, you, you need experience in big games. Um, but you know, as far as I'm aware, you know, but Wamzak has put in some great performances. You know, he's lear- he's learning. You know, in the deep end, as such, you know, he's he's, he's been pushing the deep end just to you know learn. You know, in a relegation battle, and and he's he's done a great job so far. Um, but you know, against someone like Brighton, local rivals, it's going to be you know a baptism of fire for him. So I wouldn't be surprised if Hodgson does bring somebody in, maybe someone like a Martin Kelly to play at right back, just just for that game, just just for that experience. Um, but then it's likes of Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United, and he's done a great job. So it's going to be a big decision for Hodgson on the weekend. Would feel now, but obviously, you know, all young players have dips in form, particularly if they haven't got much first team experience. Are we going to see that dip in form? Is that one little mistake a sort of a warning sign, or just stick with him? I, t- I mean, yeah, all players make mistakes. Um, 
certainly 20-year-olds who have only been in the team mm. in 10 minutes. You know, apart from a shaky first 20 minutes against Spurs, which I, I wouldn't even have vocalised at the time and I'm reluctant to now. You know, apart from that, he's he's barely put a foot wrong until yesterday. And again, he's 20 and he's, as Alex just touched on, he's coming, he's played against Spurs, United, che- you know, Chelsea, Liverpool. And he's done fantastically well. You, you can't, he's not the only one. And players 10 years older than him would make the same mistake. So absolutely no way is it any sort of stick to beat him with or put a question mark over his place in the team for the next fixture. Well, there we go. That's great to hear from the guys backing these young talent at Palace, um, as we always like to do. And gents, I think we'll leave it there. But we're not. We're going to leave you with a, a special sort of retro uh, little treat for you. We're going to end the show with uh, forward reviews. But before I do that, I'd just like to say thank you to Mikey for, for producing. For producing, those are the words I was trying to use. If you could produce that word a bit better, <laughs> wow, that wow. really help. <laughs> But first time in a while. I mean, first time he's produced in a while, not first time I've spoken English in a while. Uh, thanks to Albert, to Alex and to Mike uh, for joining us at Late Notice as well. Cheers, Mike. And uh, thank you very much to you for listening and contributing. And we'll be back again soon. Mark Werner, Zahar assimilating Benteke perfectly. Adam Watson, wasteful finishing, poor defending. Chris White, always last-minute syndrome. Lalitha Persaud, depressed, valuable points lost. Jason Rourke, what a great performance. Cody Fisher, look better without Benteke. Paul O'Hara, where were the substitutes? David L.J. Edson, another fucking day ruined. Stuart Andrew Chalmers, Parish out this summer. Harry Simmons, every single fucking time. Scott Fur, another point to safety. Dan Gleebles, other results, good point. Javed Vati, we needed real strikers. Darren Goodridge, blame Parish and Greedman. Tony Newbolt. Next one really counts. George, Hodgson out now, please. <laughs> Alex said Dandy Wolves. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.